I've changed my makeup. Did you notice? Hello and welcome to Something Rotten, our Suda 51 season. Blake and I have finished Killer 7. I'm Killer 6. Blake, are you Killer 7? I don't know if this is appropriate for me to say, Jacob, or even ethical for me to say as a game journalist. Mm-hmm. I'm down so bad for Suda. Not in like a dirty way, but in a, I'm a freak for this man right now. I've been like looking... I. Wanted to ask if we record like two hours earlier. I've been busting at the brims to talk about this guy. Okay, Blake game. is busting. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I pushed our recording. I was Hello. furious. I was so fucking mad. I was like, the guest of all people. No, I'm kidding. It's totally fine. It gave me time to work. It was actually much appreciated. And that third voice you hear, uh, perhaps our most rotten guest yet. Uh, we have Renata Price, temp host of Remat Radio, uh, lead designer at Farewell Games. Uh, you know her from Waypoint and Kotaku and uh, many other game outlets. Uh, and I know her from... Some of which still exist. <laughs> Some of which still exist. And I know her We're from constantly messaging me, is this a rotten game? What's on the short list, Renata? What games are you suggesting? Uh, okay, you know what? Let me just hop... I mean, the most recent two were... I started Tyranny the other day. Okay. Um... And Planescape Torment, mm. both of which I think I, I think deserve to count because I was I'm I'm always uh, either at the beginning or end of a CRPG kick. There's usually like a few weeks between a CRPG kick, but like who are we kidding? Uh, and right now, uh, uh, Tyranny is like my my main one. I think the issue with like doing games like that is not that we don't think they completely like count as rotten games. It's like it's the hour to time investment ratio that we can't justify oh no i i said as much immediately yeah. now that said so nebula.tv slash on the run you know you get them numbers up people we'll start playing these damn longer games I, blake has never played disco elysium which is um, maybe the most rotten crpg that's true sorry you've never played disco I oh my have. god i oh how much money would it take <laughs> to get you to do a season that was Planescape Torment and Disco Elysium, which would be the, oh, like, the like ideal. I mean, because you have to you have to do them together. Because Planescape and Disco mm. are like it, Planescape is like what what is the peak of this form for like the late nineties, right? And then Disco is like what is the peak of this form for the late twenty tens? And like that's a fascinating conversation to have between games that are both fundamentally about using CRPG mechanics to like talk about identity right planescape torment is about the construction of self through role-playing and that's also a disco elysium is they're begging to talk to each other they're also evil now look i'm sold on the games themselves the hours which is the real question here i think i make like 56 57 grand a year that's probably what we're looking at for me to play two crpg maybe fifty six thousand dollars now maybe we can do one of them one season than the next well no because we need them to speak to mm-hmm. each other i mean we have been we've been discussing doing we've we've got some games coming up that will be covered in uh more than two episodes which is breaking mm-hmm. format so yeah. like the 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 framework is there it could happen vote with your dollar dear listener that's all i'm saying pay me 
to do this. Give Blake $40. Uh, please, someone. No one will. <laughs> it's a problem I'm encountering in my day-to-day life. Um, so something that I mentioned last week uh, when we were talking about the first half of this game with Sergio Vasquez, who's the uh, world's biggest fan of Killer7 and Suda51, is that, uh, Renata, you mentioned to me that you... Your your like initial exposure to this game and initial fandom, I think, was built around like watching YouTube let's plays of it. Is that correct. am I remembering that right? This is correct. My first experience with Killer Seven and like most vivid experience with Killer Seven was watching um two something awful let's players, um, Chip and Ironicus Hell yeah. uh play through uh Killer Seven. Um don't go back to that series. Uh, I'm sure both of them say things in it that they no longer stand by. I know because I checked. Hey, friends um, of the show, Chip and Ironicus, we love them. Yeah, they're great. Um, glad they've learned. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, that the Let's Play series was like I remember it very vividly as like a game that like imprinted itself very clearly on like my young brain despite the fact that I never like actually got around to playing it. Because like the main way that I played games historically is like, you know, up until like 16, 17, was renting them from a family video. Uh, and I would go every day with my grandmother to rent something from a family video. And somehow, Killer7 was not among the games rented from family video, despite the fact that I'm pretty damn sure I got through most of that PS2 catalog. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. And somehow Killer7 was missed. Well, they and knew so... the PS2 port was pretty mid, and so they were like, mm, can't pick that one. <laughs> not up. at the family video. Come on, we're a family company. <laughs> Come on, movies lovers love family video. <laughs> was, Come on. Was that a nationwide chain, or was that like a Midwest Southern chain? Was that a Midwest Southern? All right, let's 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 all check. I grew Blake, up... you had family video? I grew up in Kentucky, and we had family video. Okay. okay. Did you I don't have think it? I encountered it in North Carolina. Okay. And then, Rin, okay. where are you from? I'm from rural Ohio. Okay, so like same ish region as me. Maybe Midwestern. It maybe the maybe the Midwestern because like we had a blockbuster, but that died quick. The family video really kept going for a minute. I do have vivid memories of my own video rental store, which also did games. I would just go and like stare at the box covers for games that I was both like too young and didn't have the consoles for. And the most memorable one for me is the cover of Dead Rising is the Mm. fucking hardest video game cover ever. And I could (laughs) not play that game because I didn't have an Xbox and I, you know, wasn't allowed to play M games. But I would just look at that, which is, you know, the main character, like, hitting a zombie with a TV and there are just, like, 700 zombies on the cover. And I was like, this must be the greatest game of all time. So I encountered something interesting about family video. Mm -hmm. There were were 750-plus stores pre-2020 family video only shut down in 2022 believe it or not wow i'm not surprised they really lasted yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not entirely sure where across the country they were but they were in the u.s and canada but because this is shouts out to family video because competitor blockbusters main focus was larger cities family video is mostly established in rural suburbs and small to mid-sized cities so there you go friends of the show there were 250 (laughs) stores as of 2021 wow they just shut the one by my parents house down yeah it's a big moment. We hated it. That's because you stopped being a patron, Blake. I moved to Minneapolis. They shut it down. Now it's a fucking laundromat. I I have in-unit laundry. I don't need that. Sorry. Uh, we can move on from Family Video <laughs> in one second. I just have to read one more sentence. What's up? I have to read one more sentence from the Family Video Wikipedia page. It was announced the chain would become an online web store only, offering new and used video sales 
Along with family video branded merchandise, t-shirts, coffee mugs, and tumblers, hats, gym bags, keychains, water bottles, etc. Okay, let me check this the, out. Hold the on a noise you hear is me googling family video t-shirt apparel. I uh, love these the are idea sick. that they were just like, "All right, we have a year left. We have one year of website funding left, <laughs> and you know what?" We're just gonna sell the brand. Oh. We're just gonna let people buy merch. Hold on, they kind of, right at the end. They kind of put out some hot stuff though. This is nice. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Okay, wait. Family. What are, What are you searching to find? Those? Just family, family video shirts. So I don't know if these are merch. actually official. Yeah, they look. They look kind of like when you tweet. I wish this was a T-shirt. And then... <laughs> That's right. I check in the official family video store is down. It's no longer around. So R.I.P. Oh, um, tough. Well, I, so I do think. One of something that I want to talk about with this YouTube thing is I think that this is a game that uniquely lends itself to uh, YouTube ability because like something that we talked uh, with Serial about last week is that like trying to describe any broader arc of this game is really hard, but like any individual scene is just mm-hmm. so immediately uh, compelling that you're just like, oh my god, I can't take my eyes off of this. And I feel like for, you know, I assume you watched the whole game played, but like I know that I saw clips of Killer7 on YouTube, and it's like, I didn't know what was going on, but I just (laughs) played the whole game, and I still kind of don't know what's going on. And like my reaction to those clips, seeing them on YouTube and playing them now, was like basically the same, because they are just so like visually striking. It's a game that washes over you. And like, I think like video, like, especially as like 13, like it's it's the kind of thing that like, I would honestly be interested in like, you know what, I'm not interested in doing this because I got this. Watching a Let's Play of Killer7 is like sitting in a room full of people having an art house movie happen to them all at once. Where it's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. I'm going to need y'all two to, like, explain what you think just happened while I sit quietly over here. And, like, honestly, that's not a bad way to, like, experience Killer7. Hey, if you're afraid, if you don't want to try the PC part of the game, maybe put on your 2007 boots and actually do go and watch that Let's Play. Um, But make sure the 2007 boots are on, please. (laughs) Um, However... I I think that was, like, an interesting way to, like, initially come to the game. And, like, it honestly reminds me a lot of... Let me grab this. Um, Be a really annoying person real quick. In uh, Maggie Nelson's The Art of Cruelty, uh, at one point she talks about uh, IB Area, uh, the film uh, from 2006, uh, which is basically just an overwhelming, like, cacophony of little bits of dialogue and images and it kind of like here i be area blake do you know about this i feel like you're a more weird movie person than i am no i have no clue never heard of this yeah it's a weird it's a weird thing um it's available for free you can just get it um it's about an hour and 45 minutes but i despite having not like seen it a ton she describes the effect of it at one point right. in this book and that to me is the effect of killer 7 it's it's incredible i'm 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 trying to find it right now blake you know what the real villain of metal gear solid is yeah n- nuclear pr- proliferation okay yeah but oh oh you mean giant sick robots no i was going oh you meant the controls for the sniper rifle no blake 
The real villain of Metal Gear Solid is a lack of data security. You're just saying that because we're being sponsored by NordVPN. Think about it, man. People are constantly getting one over on Snake because his codec is like wide open and anyone can listen in. I feel like you're making this sound dumber by connecting it to that game. The fact is, VPNs should just kind of be part of your internet infrastructure at this point. It actually is for me, and not just because I'm smarter than Solid Snake. Uh -huh. I've used VPNs when traveling to different countries so I could continue working like I was still at home in the U.S. I've also used them when doing research for my videos, or even for this show, because believe it or not, Blake, what? there's still a lot of websites that feel pretty unsafe to be on. No way. Using NordVPN, I know I'm not going to pick up some tracker or malware or something. You know, Snake... He could have I'm used. just going to interrupt to tell our listeners that when they sign up with our code, nordvpn.com slash rotten, they'll get bonus months on top of an annual plan. You don't need to make it about video games, Jacob. This is just something that normal adults who listen to our show should use. Also, there's a full 30-day money-back guarantee, so if they decide they don't want it for some reason, it's no big deal. You're right. I shouldn't lean on Snake to make logical advertising pitches. Be a functioning adult and just visit nordvpn.com slash rotten to get our special offer and protect yourself online. Was that so hard? Colonel? VPN? Nord? <laughs> this is like a little off topic, but I've been thinking about because Jacob mentioned that you had like consumed this game as a viewer first. And I thought that was so interesting because I feel like that's like we're people around our age are like the first people that can kind of say that right where it's like i feel like i'm a big silent hill fan and i've never played silent hill i've only watched silent hill for like years now and it's like you can't discount that i'm a fan right but it's like yeah i don't think people much older than me would be like well yeah i went and watched i don't know fucking mario 64 it's like where did, <laughs> did you get the rent that from family video on vhs he couldn't do it i just think it's like such an evocative thing like for our generation definitely younger kids but it's fascinating. No, and I mean, something that we've we've talked about, and I mean, my first encounter with Killer7 was simply searching on YouTube, like, goriest game or weirdest <laughs> game or, yeah. like, you know, top 10 most confusing games and having things pop up. And it's like, I, I got kind of, like, stupid listicles of games that would hang around in my brain and then, like, 20 years later... I'd be like, okay, maybe I should, like, go look at that. Yeah, or, like, honestly, just, Jacob, you put out a video about map size the other day. Like, how many mm -hmm. games I've just consumed by being, like, biggest thing in game and be like, oh, I don't know. Yep. El Elder Scrolls Daggerfall seems cool. It's like, I'm not going to play that, but I'm now, like, into the idea of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting. And the bit I'm looking for, uh, the passage, that, that to me is Killer7 to me. Uh, this is, again, from Maggie Nelson's The Art of Cruelty, A Reckoning. IB area takes incapacity to absorb, to make sense, to cohere, to sort, to concentrate as its starting point. Then it amplifies this incapacity by turning up the speed, the color, the hysteria, the flicker. Image or speech overflow is no longer a problem and certainly not one that art could or should aid in solving. It is where we live, at least while watching Trek Artan, or, at or in this case, uh, playing Suda51. It is our abstract plot of now. Like, that to me is what Killer7 is. It is the abstract plot of now. Both like... In terms of, like, the way that it's being deployed here by Nelson, but also, like, quite literally, the game's narrative is, like, deeply abstract, but fundamentally about, like, the current moment in, like, politics and, like, mm -hmm. within the world in a way that I find, like, deeply fascinating. And, like, it's like 
Playing Killer7 feels like watching Suda51 spill like a box labeled the contemporary condition and just spilling it on the ground and be like, ah, fuck, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, uh, at, at least Blake and I are fans of uh, uh, Mr. Kojima, yeah. uh, though it's like, you know, him spilling is this kind of like uh, cloying, you know, almost like this. his commentary on modern life is like so... I don't know, like, specific and kind of thought through and over-explained that it can, you know, ultimately be, like, very frustrating, where this, it, it, we talked about again last week, it's, like, the the enormous holes in the story and the philosophy and everything of this game, the, the things that make it so messy, also mean that you can't really, like, be mad at the philosophy in the same way you know it's like there's there's little that i find frustrating ideologically about this just because it's like it is so hard to even grasp what it's doing that i can't like roll my eyes at it in the same way that i roll my eyes at like things in death strand i i also think i was thinking about this last night a little bit it's like because i think there's there is that easy comparison between at least suda in this game and kojima i think mm -hmm. a big difference is like Maybe this is a little reductive. I think Kojima is a good writer in a like idea sense. I think his dialogue is just dog shit in a lot of cases. Suda, I think, is like a really strong just like dialogue mm -hmm. writer throughout mm -hmm. this entire game. And also, Jacob, I will say, if you had read the Hand and Killer Seven book, you would realize actually all those plot holes were filled into excruciating detail. As I well, that's what I'm saying, and that's bad. Time. I don't like it. <laughs> it was. I'm telling you, even the the lady in the Olmeda level who you talk to for 20 seconds in that cutscene has a backstory in that book. It is unbelievable. Of course, she does. It's insane. Um, it's extremely well thought out. Gibberish, but should have checked it out. It was a weird book. Um. Well, Blake, tell me about your uh, your experience of just playing this second half, because I think mm -hmm. last week we were both just like really we were excited to find out that the game was like fun to play and not just kind of interesting to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how did that stand up this week? Still enjoy playing it. I know there were levels you struggle with that. Um... I, I personally just like for whatever reason was able to get through pretty easily even without using a walkthrough too much. I try not to rely too much on a walkthrough. I would like dip into it. Like there was one puzzle at the very end where I was like, this is fucking stupid. I'm not going to spend the time to do this and just like typed it in real quick. But my experience by the end was like at some point I still felt the way I did last level, last episode. I was like, I get the the ideas he's having here. I'm connecting with it. The actual like moment to moment story I don't, I'm barely following who all these people are. I'll read the damn book later and it'll explain, you know, who Coyote actually is to me and that'll be great. So at some point, like I had just kind of going off what you all said a moment ago, let the thing just start washing over me. Like I turned my headphones up so loud and just kind of lived in Killer7 for a moment. Like I kind of, and in some ways like turned off my like critical brain. It was just like, I am just a participant. I am just strapped in gunning like that dude in Almeida's car till my skin is ripped off of my damn bones with this thing. <laughs> like I truly went gamer brain on it last night. It was just like, I'm in Suda's world and it was great. And like afterwards I had a moment to like sit and kind of like meditate on it. But actual act of playing was just like, I'm just white knuckling this thing 
till the credits roll. And then, God, there were multiple credits, and I was hooting and hollering. Because oh, at boy. one point, they- the PC credits kick in, and the fidelity of the text gets way better because it was clear it was made way later. It was awesome. It's like, I love, I love a smash to credits so much. And the fact that this game essentially does it three times, <laughs> and like each one is awesome. Yeah. I was so excited. I yeah. mean, it's, it's the most boring thing to talk about. Uh, I was really frustrated with specifically the um uh god what level is it like alter ego mm-hmm. part the, the comic book one. level the comic book the comic level. book level yeah. which which sucks because some of the stuff in the comic book level the best shit ever uh oh but god. just like finding color palettes and like the navigation is i feel like the levels are too big yeah. essentially because it's like when you start having to backtrack and get different stuff i just found very frustrating so one thing i'll say is that, like the levels are really big in this game like uh, broadly but like again part of the thing of playing it or sorry having been familiar with the game via let's play mm-hmm. first and then playing through later i have this like vague sense memory of these spaces but never myself moving through them and so like there is a like i recognize this image right and one of the things i'm just gonna like there's there's a lot of like recognizable moments for me when playing this game because you know to jump back for one second to what Blake was saying about this game's writing. There are just sentences in this game that like feel like getting hit with a leg sweep where it's just like (laughs) God, I wrote down so many quotes for this section specifically. Bro, I went to see the devil, now it's your turn? Are you kidding me? Like, killed me. Knocked me on my damn ass. This is the hardest written game of all time. In in the comic book level, there's a thing where you find Travis and he just says, straight up, this sucks ass. And I was like, it does! Or his final line in the game, die like a dog, then laugh it off. I was like, stop. Like, you're too good. Right. It's, it, it's also, like, got the, um... Oh, God, I can't believe I'm about to fucking invoke this name. It's got the Hussey-esque, uh, like, command over voice. Like, Andrew, Andrew Hussey's command over voice in mm-hmm. Homestuck. <laughs> Of every character in this game has, like, an overwhelmingly distinctive voice in a way that I'm, like, kind of really impressed by. Uh, Like, fundamentally changes in text style that, like, it's just really impressive. Uh, It's an impressively written game. But that's all to say that, like, these spaces were iconographic to me. And, like, that did help with the navigability a little bit. Because, like, even when I was walking through these areas for the first time, there was still, like, a part of my brain that, like, flicked open and was like, oh, yeah, I know that there is a connection between space A and space B because 13-year-old me remembers encountering it once nine years ago. Yeah. And I think it's, it's the, you know, the fixed camera thing is able to just, like, so elegantly frame every Mm -hmm. space that like they are memorable because it's like it's it's like you know you're seeing cinematography you're not just remembering like oh i'm in a church it's like the specific way that the church is framed because Mm -hmm. they're doing these like very specific camera angles and whatever i think makes you know even even within my frustrations i was like you know it's cool that they're making choices with this and a lot of those kind of like ps2 gamecube era when they're just figuring out 3d cameras it 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 feels like the the spaces can just kind of become anonymous when they weren't making those fixed choices right and like there is also like a i think a lot about the or i've been thinking a lot about uh the almeida level and the ways in which the suburbs in the almeida level 
for some reason, when I think about the suburbs and the old Meta level, there are three more screens worth of houses yeah. than there actually are. Mm -hmm. There are, I, every time I get there, I'm like, surely there's another two rows. And there never is. And I just can't get used to it. But, but the way it's shot makes it feel like such a significant part of like the world that I cannot help but try and like expand it within my own memory. I also feel like on the other like the other side of that though at times this game is like deceptively big where it's like when I went to the hotel level I was like oh surely I just do three of these floors and then I'm done and it's like no you have to literally do every single floor in uh -huh. this level and I was Seven. like oh it rules. Um, Alright so do we want to we want to just kind of talk through the the levels um of this run through and then i'm sure it will take us on on uh, many different tangents um what i want to bring up with target zero three encounter is blake this is another rotten carnival level something that has become like a theme within these games oh yeah i guess so and when we play near automata in a few months we'll also have to go back to another carnival i had forgot uh, listener we are not doing that <laughs> i forgot there were so many damn car it's killing cops and carnivals that's the something rotten metric that's how we know a game's finally rotten do you do you kill cops in this game <sighs> yes in a way but you kill government agents which are like super cops you can stop a government you do you do kill a government <laughs> that's true you actually actually like if some you, would say the <laughs> ultimate cop if you consider at least one to two countries are entirely wiped off the map but this is a numbers game many cops died there just because everyone died so yeah it counts yeah. count it okay good. Yeah. good glad we cleared that up um <laughs> let's see the i feel like this one so here's here's a weird uh, running thing throughout the back half of this game is that mask just keeps powering up like you're <laughs> fucking I complained in the in the first episode. It was like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to use this fucking, you know, wrestler with his grenade launchers. They seem like they suck. And as if the game heard me, they literally they make him better like three times throughout the section until he is like almost unquestionably the best one by the end. My headcanon for why that happens is just Suda loves wrestling. Like, and oh, that's yeah, the, of course. The, no narrative reason. He's just like, I'm so into wrestling. I want to make this dude. Yeah. And you know part. what? He is. Also, <laughs> his, his lines are really good. Mask to Smith's lines are, I think, on the whole, pretty funny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I am consistently charmed by our good friend Mask to Smith. <laughs> um, with like, also, like, I think Mask is the only character who is the only person who can take out a certain enemy type, right? Um, Dan can take out the nests. Yeah, Dan yeah, has but that. Everyone can take out the nest. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it just takes way more. It's shots. just harder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess mask would be the like uh, armored enemies, or some of yes. the like hulky dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they really, they, in in what I would consider uh, probably too much. They're like, okay, this one, one mask vial. This enemy, two mask vials. <laughs> two mask this vial. third guy, ooh, three mask vials. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 honestly, I I find it a little bit charming. Uh, that they were just like, let's, let's give, let's give you these weird guys. Mm. Here you go. Um, it's an easy escalation. I like that they don't overcomplicate it. You know, that it's just like, look, you don't have to think for a long time about what to do here. One thing I will say about this game is that every enemy in this game feels like they, I, I they all have their own unique mechanics, uh, in a way that like makes them, 
feel either exactly the same or completely, it's one of the two. Either it's just hit the weak point, in the case of like the armored smiles, where it's just like, okay, you just have to hit the weak point. It's the only thing you can do here, really, uh, or, or find a way to break their armor. Uh, and then the... But other than that, like, every enemy has, like, a little thing to it uh, in a way that, like, I, I really appreciate. There's never a guy who's just a little bit more damage, right? It's always a little bit more damage or a little bit more damage, and you either have a tool taken away or given to you. And, like, I think that many action games just default to the the power creep. And, like, I do I do really like um, what we get, uh, like, the, the enemy progression in this game. Uh, especially the, like, who are the... The guys that you have to shoot in the scythe arms to make them spin around, then you hit them in the back. Uh, oh, I believe they yeah, are also yeah. introduced in Counter. Mm -hmm. uh, I fucking love those dudes. I think they are so fun to fight against. I think they yeah. are a real joy. Top enemies, for sure. When you see that big glowy thing on the back, feels great. Mm. Uh, let me talk about another top enemy. Uh, her name is Ayame Blackburn. Oh, uh. fuck that fight. <laughs> that, is the, that, is the, that is no joke the fight that made me almost put this game down. I, I, what, a mi what a miserable Which one? fucking fight. Which one? There's two. The second one. The second oh. one. The second one in Encounter. Because the uh, damage rush at the end, like the, oh, the damage sure, sure, race sure. at the end, I kept losing the damage race at the very end, which meant that like I was just having a lot of my time wasted. Yeah. Uh, I, I did probably like five attempts at what is not a short fight mm -hmm. by any means and using all of my resources every time. So I had to do like several attempts at that fight while also having to do runs mm -hmm. through the surrounding areas to get enough vials to power up my Dan gun enough to attempt to shoot her. Uh, and so like, I just spent like a miserable amount of time on that like what is at the end of the day not that hard of a boss yeah it was actually the first fight that i hated like well having to wait because the arena is the size of like an actual city block and you have to wait for her to get under there's no point in chasing her like why would you so you just wait at one street light and wait for her to get there and then hope you can get like one bullet in her and then you just rinse and repeat oh. look here's here's the secret it's our it's our friend mask you oh, just just use it. the grenade launchers because you don't have to like that. hit her. You can just aim at the ground. For for those who haven't uh, read the game, I do just want to read the uh, like a line about her from the wiki, which is just so classic for Killer Seven. Um, uh, so this is uh, I am a Blackburn. She fully looks like just an anime girl in a school outfit. Uh, the Smith Syndicate run into her in a parking lot where she introduces herself as the, quote, chairman of the Educational Guidance Council and defends a bus presumably filled with orphans Curtis is preparing for his organ trade. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. that's that's her deal. If you read the kill, Hand and Killer 7 book, Jacob, all that would make a lot of sense to you. Oh, look, at it. I, I don't see what doesn't make sense there. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't mind the second fight, but I understand what you mean because i did die the first time and i was like oh fucking god damn it but like yeah multiply that times four yeah and you'll understand yeah, why that fight almost was like this is and this is wraps for me i would have been pulling up something awful and watching the damn let's play to get me to this episode i couldn't have done that but she is a good character i like the anime girls the, another one shows up later that like i feel like got too little screen time at the power rangers fight there's just like the anime girl at the end who's like i'm gonna go kill some people and then she leaves you remember her? Well, she's she's one of the Power Rangers, right? Isn't she just a Power Ranger with her mask off? 
because she's the one that you fight as uh, as Garcian. Who could ever know? Uh, uh, hey, look, I didn't read the book. Um, uh, so so the the main target of this one is a guy named Curtis Blackburn, um, who is uh, I I don't even know how to describe him. A very pale man. Um, Blake, you said you wanted to do a two-hour podcast on the boss fight against Dude, him. Dude, it's so cool. You just stand there and you have, what would you call it? Like, what, a shootout? It's not a shootout. A standoff. It's a duel. Yeah, you have, you a, have a duel. You have a duel with him, but it's all contingent on his little bird's move. So you have to wait for the sound effect of the bird before he flies, but the bird will fuck with you. And then it'll make you wait sometimes like a minute and a half to actually shoot him it's like it's such a ballsy boss fight to be like you only get a few attempts at this we're going to annoy you the entire time and the the interaction is like literally just one button press and my heart was in my throat the entire fight both times i did it because i died the first i mean that's the killer seven promise right all of this game's boss fights are like we're gonna hit you with a totally new way this game can be it may not be good but it will be new (laughs) i think this one was good it was annoying as hell but i guess that's the point right but i i was like smitten with this thing because i didn't this level didn't do much for me i thought it was a little over long i didn't like going in all the different like um auditoriums and having to like go kill everything but by the time i got to this boss fight and was like actually figuring out like when i put it together i was waiting for this like audio cue to actually tell me when the bird's gonna fly i was obsessed with it i think it's a really really strong moment in this game yeah um i i agree that the level itself is uh is okay uh, again reading the description of the plot of el- developments in this chapter is mm-hmm. horrifying and i'm like oh god i guess that did happen um mm-hmm. but but <laughs> just kind of washes over you um as pedro cradles the severed head of his daughter mary curtis shoots him in the back of that skull and walks away like that mm-hmm. just a, a sample line from the wiki on this mm-hmm. yeah, and then you fight dan smith's like mentor who had killed him at one point in life his life because jacob we haven't even touched on the reincarnation going on throughout this entire oh game God. as a whole yeah. thing so he killed one version of dan smith but he's also an organ harvester which is a whole separate plot line that deals with how the heaven smiles are created brother i'm in fucking deep isn't he also a pedophile yeah oh yeah 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 for sure don't, yeah, don't let me forget yeah, yeah. that part he also is yeah. that um Best boss fight in the game, probably. I'm though. glad he's dead. Same. It is followed by um, a a level in which you have to go and kill a bunch of comic book characters, uh, written by a man named Trevor Pearl Harbor. His last mm-hmm. name's Pearl Harbor. Yes, his name is Trevor Pearl Harbor. I missed that. He's really good friends with Hot Coldman. Oh my god! I I didn't even catch his last name. That's insane. It's so, and it's like God, Trevor. <laughs> Again, I I like Death Stranding. I like Kojima's games. It's like Die Hard Man and Hot Coldman have nothing on Trevor, Trevor. Pearl Harbor. <laughs> hey, you know, and you need to get a point across. Sometimes the direct right. route is the best route. And again, Suda51, good at one thing. It's like declarative, it's like for, firm images and firm lines. And you know what? Isn't a name like a sentence that we all have in our hearts? That's right. Thank you. I, I think this level is... <laughs> really i i think it's maybe more readable on like a an allegorical level than some of the other ones because it is it's kind of like the uh the olmeda level in that it is like more self-contained it's not 
as much about like the plot of the rest of the game. Um, and so what you have is this comic book writer who is writing stories, or I guess kind of a TV show? I don't know, because it's like he's writing about Power Rangers, and essentially he is writing events that then come to pass. Like he is he is writing things that his Power Rangers do that then in real life the Power Rangers end up doing. It's the and plot the of Alan they're... Wake, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like Alan Wake. It's, Alan Wake took it from Killer7. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that the Power Rangers do, to be clear, who's also, their name is the Handsome Men, uh, not the Power Rangers. One of the things the Handsome Men do is uh, assassinate Democratic Party Congressman Steve Thunderson. Um, and so what I, I guess what I like about this is it feels like a very direct conversation about, like, media's role in violence which is something that we talk about all the time on this show of being like is you know with with this comic character essentially like he's he's writing comic books and then those violent things that he writes in the comic books are happening in real life which is you know the argument that people make against violent video games and media in general is that like you're going to inspire real life events and so i just I don't really know what the game is saying about it, but I do really like the just, like, very explicit uh, entering of this idea that Suda is doing, like, into this game's conversation. I was just talking about Love Wilcox, the character who shows up at the at the, at the end of this sequence. Uh, is, was she the other anime girl you were referring to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. What a weird fucking thing for the game to do is to be like, no, no, no. There was a second more writer who's been writing the game even more. And you know what? This is not her problem. <laughs> she's she's gonna go. She's fine over there. And like, you know, she posting aside, the thing that she ends up saying that I think is like really much more interesting than like the 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 initial like what does violent media do to us thing is like Love Wilcox showing up and being like oh, yeah, you know, this is a story about violence because it's useful to tell people, like, to, to get people acclimated to violence and to, like, structure the narratives of their lives in this way. This is just a propaganda campaign. Like, what 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 are we doing here? It's, it's that simple in a way that, like, I, I, I find very fun. Something that I think, uh, similar to the Olmeda level, this level also has, like, the production value just suddenly skyrockets. There are, like really really good looking animated cutscenes in this level like they're still they're still 360p because that's whatever it was rendered at but there are things that look almost i don't know like cowboy bebop-esque in terms of like you have this whole showdown between dan and uh and and trevor pearl harbor uh that is like lavishly animated and then the boss fight to this level is is something that happens like several times in the in the last half of the game which is that like each member of killer seven faces off against someone and it is another one of these conceptual boss fights where it's like i don't think what you do matters at all right mm -hmm. so it's just like every every killer seven has like a double on the handsome men that have exactly the same silhouette and exactly the same weapon and you're just standing in the middle of like times square in new york shooting at each other and just then arbitrarily the game decides like one of you dies or the other and so you have like 
Harmon in his wheelchair with his Barrett 50 cow shooting a member of the handsome men who's in a wheelchair with a Barrett 50 cow and like all of them and it, it's like it's weirdly nerve-wracking even though it's uh predetermined because it's like going back and forth and you don't know yeah, yeah. like who's you know your members are falling and their members are falling in relatively equal measure and it's saved ultimately at the end by mask getting back up getting a new uh wrestling mask and being like even more powerful than he was before <laughs> i uh i think the idea the love wilcox thing about her kind of being like hey acclimate yourself to violence i think that is like a broader pitch of yesterday the last episode we talked about um the uh, the way this game came out a few years after 9-11 and it was kind of dealing with the theater of like terrorism prevention you know like uh, ground all the planes blah 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 all this stuff and then the thrust of the game seems to also hint at like we didn't stop terrorism we just created these like illusions that terrorism was over we had ended it we blew up the bombs in the sky and it seems like this game is also saying like the reality is actually much worse it is going to be a violent reality for us we're just going to pretend to be surprised by it as a culture well i mean the utility to me of like all of this game's plotting and like it's it's super complex plotting and all of these conspiracies and all this shit right is that like love wilcox is like hey i, I write the story right however i I think it goes beyond saying just like, oh, this is the theater of safety mm -hmm. uh, from terrorism, but more that like the war on terror is a tool of empire writ large and not one unique to the United States in the particular moment that it finds itself in. Yeah, yeah. Because like so much of this game is like setting up the fact that, you know, Harmon Smith and Kunlan have been having this fight with each other over the course of like thousands of hundreds mm -hmm. of years reincarnating over and over and over and over again to keep having this stupid fucking fight and like it, it it does like it does the reveal right it does the reveal that like oh the terrorist faction quote unquote in this case the heaven smiles was of course created by us right it, 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 they have they have to be created by us but at the end of the game like that's one of the things that fascinates me about the final choice of the game is that like no matter what empire wins Mm -hmm. At the end of the, the, an empire is created, whether it be a new version of, you know, uh, a resurgent Japanese empire or a, you know, continually hegemonic US empire, you are choosing empires. And like what we are looking at in Killer7 is just like, feels like the absurdity of of living in a world in which empire always wins. Right. In which like cruelty, you know, world peace has been achieved through the like, consistent distribution of cruelty throughout every single moment of all of these characters lives i think it, yeah i think the game ends on like such a, a wonderful cynical note of like you know when you started this game you maybe were like oh what the fuck they into terrorism that's pretty impressive and then at the end it's like not really because these two old dudes are still fighting like we didn't end anything and i, I think it's like a, such a good bitter note to leave the game on yeah it's kind of it, it it feels it feels kind of like an out to be like all of the confusing plot points don't actually matter or like they're a diversion yeah. from this. But I do think the you know uh, Ren, as you were saying, it's like the fundamental point of the game, which is just this kind of like false choice between state violence from you know like one side or the other, is you know it's like 
you can you can track all of the million different threads going on here and ultimately it kind of doesn't even matter you know it's like if, mm-hmm. if you if you figure out like everything that's going on and you have in a later level you have this like guy who's recorded all of these things of like oh my god i figured it out like his parents and he did this and it, the school created him and it's like well at the end of the day like having that information or not doesn't actually change you can't change the outcome with that like you know having that doesn't change the fact that like ultimately the world is going to be blown up by one person or another well also the fact that like the the iwazaru reveal at the end the iwazaru is kunlan yeah. or at least the final smile mm-hmm. is 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 kunlan wearing like iwazaru's like clothing is that like again this has been a game the whole time right like Kunlan and Harmon Smith have been right next to each other literally the entire time, and they're going to take a break for a bit. Empire, like, conflict between Empire will rest for a hundred years. And then it'll start again. I mean, just the whole motif of, like, they're all, they're just always playing chess. You know, it is this kind of, like, this doesn't matter to us. Ha ha ha. We're playing chess. It's it's a fun game. In the in the hand is Killer Seven book. Sorry to keep bringing this thing no, up. Please. I don't think you please should do. have to do homework to know understand the game. But there's these things called Jacob's Letters. Who who was effectively I think it was an FBI agent or oh, something. It's, it's Jaco, right? Well, it's Jacob. I think that's a typo in the fandom translation because <laughs> it is. I, I like Jaco. It's Jaco's letters. Jacob's letters. We're not sure. Either way, Jacob Geller he wrote these fantastic letters. Yeah. Um, uh, but he was a, I believe he's an FBI agent whose fa- his wife and kid were turned into Heaven Smiles and he vowed revenge. And he ends up using this weird government computer that predicts the future. But This only is what like I read 40... about that I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? When I was reading the walkthrough is like the US government has a computer that can predict all future events. And I was like, so, where was that? So he goes through this sure. whole thing. It's in the book, Jacob. It's in the damn book. Uh, he goes through this whole thing with with uh, Miss Jacob is the name of the computer, but the, the the idea of it basically is he is actually controlling the Killer Seven. He is using Samantha, who is the red hair girl, who's always uh, either f- taking care of, beating the shit out of, or fucking Harmon. Um, she he is actually controlling her through like CIA hypnosis, and then the end of it reveals that like. He is also a pawn. So at every step of the escape story is just like blowing out further and further that these two old dudes playing their game of chess are just controlling everyone. Like every layer of the onion always goes back to that central idea. I mean, even even like the actual like active play of this game yeah. is like taking control of these characters in this. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I read like a in preparation for this podcast, I read a couple of like short pieces about this game, and one of which was a, a, a write up of the game from I believe two thousand and seven. Uh, I'll I'll need to uh, to track it down again, but they were talking about the use of masks in this game as like talking about identity and talking about like selfhood. Uh, and like one of the things that the, that that piece points out is that like there is a degree to which the player's role here is. Given everything that happens in this game with like Love Wilcox and everything, it, it, it's really it's a it's a fascinating thing that this game is doing with like player control and like what it means to. I mean, like you know, it's an on rails game. At the end of the day, you are just you are just at you yourself are acting. You can you can do a lot with that moniker of on rails. Yeah, you 
Right. You can do so much with it. And then like, you know, there's also the the scene with uh, about whether or not the I believe the president talking about wanting to be an actor. Is that am, am, am I remembering? Not the president. There's there's the a principal. scene between politicians, oh. I think. Or, oh, yeah, I was I was also I thinking think of the, the principal, but I'm thinking of earlier in the game from the first half of the game. There's a conversation with a politician who talks about like the idea i believe it's a japanese politician who talks mm. about the idea of like being an actor yeah, yeah. uh in the world both actor in the world in terms of like i am acting i am performing but also like i act upon the world i am someone who gets to act in these situations and like i just think it's i i, I think it's kind of i think it's kind of fascinating um and, you know at times like the constant shifting in character and control and like the fact that you are at the end of the day on rails and upon is I think part of what gets us to this feeling that we keep talking about of like the game washing over us of like being confronted with it is that there's just like the game kind of just happens to the player, but also at the players like pay like this is what games do as a medium is they operate at the player's pace. But like, I think that like there is an affective thing that happens with killer seven that makes it like kind of uncomfortable or weird uh, or at the very least fascinating. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think I think it's one of the I don't know how much of this is like projected onto Killer Seven in retrospect or was the actual critical consensus at the time because when you read at least like Greg Kasavin's review from back in the day like he wasn't like ah oh, the game doesn't make sense blah 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 like it seems like people have got it through the years but it does have this reputation of being like a weird game the plot it you know it's nonsensical it's the same thing thrown around with like kojima and it's like well if you're willing to meet it at its level it does make sense but i think one of the issues i run into with killer seven is that's unfortunate that two-thirds of its story was actually oh cut and it's like to understand how deep and kind of impressive it is that all these threads will fit together in their own semi-gibberish way like it, it's coherent if you read a book which i think kind of sucks like i wish this could be in the game and we like you could actually play the piece and put it together. I don't think the game itself suffers too much because of it, because I love this game. But I wish there was like a director's cut that could be like, okay, players, here's the whole fucking story. You don't got to go to fandom and read a fan translated. Yeah, thing. I I guess, but it's like I think I guess I want it there to be a director's cut because I don't want to play it. You know, like I I want to play the the holy version of it that that like doesn't answer any of this because like i personally i just think in the act of playing the game i would get overwhelmed if i was also learning about uh, jaco and miss jaco the you know it's like i was i was already struggling and part of that is of course that the story isn't all there but it's just like i think I, i i think that like the pacing of this game would just take a big old hit if you included all of that we i think you would lose the power of the image and in this way of like the way that this game just confronts you with an image and then keeps on going like i think a lot about again to cycle back to Almeida, the game just invokes like sundown towns and then just keeps on sprinting like it does not it does not even slow down it throws out a line and then just keeps going and like i think that that tone and like that feeling that like i think ends up really working for me completely falls apart if if this game gets expanded over you know an additional two hours of cutscenes because like two-thirds of this game was story was cut yeah there is still an hours plus of cutscene yeah, yeah, yeah. in this video game and like damn that's a lot 
that's a, that's not including chatting with like Iwazaru or right. Travis or like half a dozen other people in this game. Maybe I didn't explain myself well enough. I think like what bums me out about the cut content and the book is more that like the reputation this game has is one of like nonsensicalness. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, it's all there. Because like when I played the game, I was like, wow, I think this is the most interesting game we've played for something wrong. But I had no clue because all I knew about it going in was like, I'm going to play a game. It's not going to make any damn sense. And it's going to be kind of cool. You know, it's like, I wish that it had a better reputation, but I think just like by the nature of it being kind of cut down and a, a bit hard to follow, like it, it doesn't hit every player in that way that it maybe could under different circumstances. But that said, like as the, the product that it is that I downloaded on Steam, I completely love start to finish. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I, there is part of me that's like, I wish there was something, a better option for people who wanted to like get more out of it than like yeah. tracking down this book that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, do, I don't know. do either of you remember who says the line in this game, which is uh, we all have our like craziest lines ever in this. Uh, someone says there is no justice here. Only the purity of atrocity, <laughs> No. Uh, which I wrote down and I was like, it should that just be the motto of something rotten? Uh, like, <laughs> Only yeah, Ren is once of... again holding up the book, The Art of Cruelty. Wow, believe it or not, when you Google that, the first result is the Clooney Foundation for Justice and nothing from Killer7. I was I was searching for, um, there is no, um, I guess Handsome Black says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The voyage of the Killer7 begins. Sure. This is in, this is in this, this game facts uh story breakdown or no it's just in it's just in like a script but there is one of these game fact story breakdowns that is 120 pages long uh which at Hell some yeah. point i will dive into i started reading it and was already uh just enjoying so much it was like okay here's how the story works one spirituality two country three folks four ghosts and it was like doing that level of breakdown and i was thrilled um okay well i was just gonna say that um i do want to move us forward because i want to talk about the principal of the school for one hour and 15 minutes okay hold on then before we do that i have one question yeah who the fuck is screaming in garcian's trailer it was Haru. Oh, okay. No, no further questions. Thank you. Is it? It's the locked room. Yeah, I believe it's the locked room. Uh, is is Iwazaru um, slash Kunlan, like doing BDSM? Oh, okay. So here's what well, I'll tell you. Here's a different answer from the uh, uh, fr- from that 120 page game facts breakdown that I started to read, which is that their theory is that it is the kind of like. When when you see Harmon in there, like old man Harmon, he is he is basically uh in a vegetative state, you know, like he can't really do anything and like Samantha is is uh raping him essentially. Mm-hmm. Um and so it is uh what they uh posited was that it's essentially his like repressed, tortured uh mm-hmm. mind that's mm-hmm. screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh whatever it is. It's, it's a crazy vibe to just be running around and hear that screaming in the trailer. And then there's like the one time that you get to go into the, I guess not the locked room, but the basement. And I was like, finally, I'm going to find out what it is. 
and instead it's just uh Harmon and and uh Kung Lao playing chess bro the mental preparation i was doing before going into that basement to finally see what was screaming i was not prepared like the last thing i was prepared for was a chess game between these two old men what yep. a moment it was great um okay so the the next well so smile the level is in two parts one of the parts is this hotel uh which you return to a couple times um the first time is fine it's not the most interesting um even though i do like that you go up every level but i i just want to skip to the school man uh because it it pulled uh something that the original postal does actually which we've talked about where it said like next level elementary school and i was just like oh my god <laughs> like i could not believe which is again something uh, postal does like final level elementary school and then it turns out he's in like a psych ward or whatever but i was i i i was worried at the level of uh rottenness this game was going to go into but it turns out it's a primarily empty school you run around it for a long time uh there's a thing where uh Travis is on an elliptical behind a hidden wall, which was one of my biggest laugh lines of the game. Um, is there anything here that you want to talk about before we get to that final scene with the principal? Yeah, I like Travis in the locker. I thought that was pretty funny. Travis is so cool. He's like smashed in there. He's making a funny face. It's good uh -huh. stuff. Hell yeah. I'm ready to talk about the principal wannabe president. Okay. Absolutely. Benjamin Keene. So, so you get you get to kind of the final final room or one of the final rooms of the school uh you're you're playing as garcian um and uh and you meet a principal in there the principal of the school you found out the school is essentially uh brainwashing kids to be government agents of some kind um but the the principal is just in there he has a revolver he says let's play russian roulette uh i win no you win uh, I'll tell you the secret to pick up any woman. Uh, I win, and you have to kill the president. Which is already very confusing, because if you lose in Russian roulette, you're not able to you're do dead. anything afterwards. <laughs> well, Killer7, they, they reincarnate. Yeah, they're fine. That's true. Well, I don't know if that principle reincarnates. Um, Garcian couldn't kill himself, probably. We see he he is yeah. not able to do it later in the game, um, but anyway. So you have this. I mean, it it is. I just any any Russian roulette scene. I do love. You have this principal who is like sweating bullets. He's freaking out, but every time he pulls the trigger, he's like, "Okay, well, clearly the next one, Garcian's gonna kill himself, and then he'll kill the president, and then I'll get to be the president." Um, Garcian is cool as a cucumber immediately just picks it up pulls the trigger at his head nothing happens you you go back and forth five times and the principal's like haha see you lost because obviously the next one has the bullet and garcian's like you think i'm a fucking idiot this gun has seven chambers uh so it's you and then and then the principal uh picks up the gun yells women are all the same and blows his brains out which is maybe the single funniest thing i have seen happen in a game absolutely i just i just can't get over it i've thought about it so many times just just penning the script and having this man yell women are all the same and then blowing his brains out 
what a what a game with such a confusing rep like relationship to women. What a what a what a what a fascinating video game. Uh, I was looking through uh, a piece by uh, Ed Smith uh, over at I'm checking my notes here. Um, it's called vice.com mm, um, never heard of it not not familiar there's a line in here about the ways in which um oh there we go this is a wild opening sentence it's also the last decent game by goichi suda aka suda 51 uh there are some there are some opinions about suda 51's follow-up games here which i will not which i will not repeat um wow however however uh, the piece that I'm looking at, uh, sorry, the, not the piece, the, the line I'm looking for is, uh, in Killer 7, though, sex was uneasy, bleak. The aforementioned talking head in the tumble dryer named Susie relays the story of her first boyfriend and how he tried to grab her one night. The relationship between patriarch Harmon Smith and his assistant Samantha has hints of Dom and subplay. And then there's Curtis Blackburn, the grotesque rapist murderer and organ trafficker who dresses his accomplices like an anime girl and has a fetish for turning people into mannequins. From Susie's tale to Blackburn's evil, to Harmon eyeballing Samantha in her uniform, Killer7 ca casts a condemning eye at men and male objectification of women. Uh, I don't know if I totally agree with where, it, with where it lands here, but I am also fascinated by lines like, women are all the same, at which point a man then blows his brains out for no reason. Yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, because it's like, this is also a game where I believe literally every a woman in it is raped at some point you know like uh, that is, is uh no i guess not i believe she I may be she is i believe she's the one exception i'm checking this now and and maybe um uh maybe our, our the the anime girl um uh you know chief of the education thing though she was working for a pedophile rapist so who knows so it's like you know it it is kind of one of those things where it's like well you know the game is acknowledging that like terrible things happen to women it's not really uh acknowledging anything other than that you know <laughs> it, it, that kind of seems to be its stance which is uh a, another running theme for rotten games is that their take on women is they have violence done to them, which is certainly the case for, you know, all all of the Killer 7 have been killed multiple times. Kaide is the only one who has the evidence of that always visible on, you know, she's running yeah. around in a blood-soaked dress. Um, and, of course, it's a dress that the camera angle makes you look up uh, at virtually any point. So it's, you know, this is, with our next game, we will talk much more about that. So it's... I, yeah, like everything else, boy don't really know like how to sum up the game's philosophy on it. And we we talked last week about Olmeda and it being like, is this game like doing something interesting with race, or is it just racist? You know, unless you give it way more credit than it deserves. Uh, hard to know. Uh, I but think this... we landed on the latter <laughs> last <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> I think it's hey hey guys wait come here, come here come here I think it's the latter yeah <laughs> um and so I you know I think ultimately that is probably where maybe not as harshly uh I don't think that is the most thoughtful game about uh gender but I also think that it's attempting something you know it's not it's not by accident um 
And anyway, uh, that all being said, the idea of a principal also thinking he's a pickup artist and then blowing his brains out in a game of Russian roulette is just something that uh, that tickles me. And that's understandable, Jacob, and we won't take that away from you. That's right. <laughs> no. He could have been the president. Could have. That's right. And then you... Uh, and then you have the boss fight. Uh, this boss fight, this boss fight fucking sucks. <laughs> what do you mean? There's a hanging guy, and you shoot him until his pants fall off, and then you shoot him in the dick. That's I hilarious. Say, I didn't say it looked bad. I said playing it sucked. I couldn't figure out the pendulum physics because it's like he either warps immediately back to the center, meaning you'll have to start again, or he'll go up, and, but you have to get him at just the right angles to make his pants fall off, which, let me be clear, funny. That's funny <laughs> stuff, but I could not get the physics of this fucking boss right. It drove me crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's another, it's a great, it's, I think it's a good conceptual battle, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little too mechanically, whatever, but I did just love that this is, I mean, this is like the final boss of the game, which is a... Uh, what what is his official role? Who is this guy? No, I'm quite sure. Uh, he's, he's hanging from the I ceiling in a noose. I think he's the leader of the Department of Education, which through a very roundabout way is working with the Japanese Liberal Party right. to uh, influence the election, the United States presidential elections. Mm -hmm. I believe he is who runs that because, of course, the school is training assassins. Yeah. Something worth knowing that we've glossed over, if you can believe it, in this story. One of, one of them was named Emil Park Reiner. Don't forget that one. Yeah, unfortunately, you're going to have to think really hard about him for uh, the last three minutes of this game, and it will be the only thing that will help piece a lot of it together. Yeah. Uh, they really backload this game with uh, the entire plot of the killer seven. Um, there is there is another conversation that I love that, like, stands, you know, it's like, even if you don't know what's happening in the game, it works so perfectly which is you have a guy come up to you after there's this boss fight where all of the killer seven die except for Garshian who holds like golden gun and then he can kill everyone. Um, and there's a guy who comes up to him and is like talking to him about politics and Garcian's like, what is the United States? What is the role of the president? And the guy's like, I don't know. I'm Japanese. And then he like walks away. And it's, it again, it is like an acknowledgement of like, Hey, you know what? tracking every plot point in here not the most important yeah. thing what uh well i guess we need to talk about the hotel garcine goes to the hotel you learn about who he really is which is amir reiner park reiner right amir park reiner right. yeah the, the former editor-in-chief of my magazine game informer andrew amir park reiner um <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you learn. Wow, that was a that was a long run to get there. And we got there, and we were all happy to take that journey. The entire the entire middle part of the name was not, that's we got there. That's incredible. We got there. Was, hey, only the best here on Sunderland. Neb <laughs> there were four syllables. Yep, Nebula.tv slash Sunderland. You can pay for this material. Um, anyway, we uh, we learned that Garcian was actually a, a orphan, trained. Jacob, help me out here. Oh, don't don't ask me what's All going on. All right, so on. we learned that Garcian has three eyes. <laughs> that's a, that's important, I believe. His name is Amir Parkreiner. He was trained at the school. He's an assassin who killed the Union Seven, which was the actual name of the Killer Seven. Now, the Union Seven is a group of young Japanese 
politicians or activists, maybe both, but they're also, depending on the point in the reincarnation, not all from Japan. Actually, I don't think any of them are from Japan. Kaide is from Seattle, but of Japanese descent. The rest of them are from other parts of the world, including the UK and uh, South America. Um, anyway, they become the Killer Seven based on the names of the murders that Amir Parkreiner did of the Union Seven at the hotel. And then at that point, he was found on the roof by Harmon, brought under his wing. Harmon has the ability to consume corpses. And then... Sorry, can I ask... Uh, yeah, by all means. Can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah. I thought that Amir kills Harmon, and that's how he... Like, he kills Harmon... And then gains uh, the power to turn into, like, he kills a Harmon. Right, not Harmon okay. broadly, because Harmon can resurrect, but he kills a Harmon. A Harmon, Harmon Smith, the guy, gets God. Uh, Harmon Smith, the idea slash entity, continues to exist and then takes over, occasionally, Amir's body in the form of Garcian Smith. Based on my understanding, which, to be clear, is thorough. I would say both of these things could be true. And I don't know. Maybe I skipped over that part of the book. I'm not actually sure. I do know, though, at one point, Dan Smith tried to kill Harmon in a fit of rage. And that's why Harmon is paralyzed. Just an interesting kind of plot point there. Um, I do know. That. So Amir Parkreiner. Um, so Harmon can become other people, including seven others, you might say, that uh, are being controlled by Jacob. So we got to go back to this, the Jaco reports. Uh, they're all being controlled by Jaco, um, who's being controlled by a computer that's owned by the United States government. And Jaco is influencing Samantha, who in turn is somehow influencing the Killer Seven. Yes, Samantha is abusing Harmon right. to psychologically condition the killer seven into doing specific jobs right. yes. but now where does the guy come in that calls you on the phone and leaves the voicemail no one's quite sure dan yeah no one knows that they left that part out of the book well and it's also it's worth saying that uh that samantha dies uh at some does point she? and you know it's like that has plot relevance but it also has oh, yeah. like um you for the last like level or two of the game the save oh, right, right, room right, right, is right. just different because some samantha was like the person who helped you save and then you go in there and instead it's just right. some like butler that you've never met and he helps you save which i just i i think is a very fun kind of like story acknowledgement in the in the mechanics of the game and personally as far as i'm concerned i think we did a great job explaining who amir parkreiner is and why that's relevant to the end of the game that's right um I do think, again, even even without understanding, there's some really good imagery in this last hotel level of, like, you know, one, just seeing all of the Killer 7, like, kind of as themselves get killed, I think is really... The scene where he kills Coyote is, like, one of the best cut scenes in the game, where he goes to the other room, sneaks outside, and then shoots him while he's not looking. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it has it has real, like, I'm trying to think of the director that you would 
say, but it's just like it has it has that kind of wonderful like process of assassination where you're just seeing him who is like really good at killing people just come in and kill all of these people who are, you know, trying to prepare themselves in one way or another. Um, uh, and then he gets to the roof. And I mean, you messaged me about this, Blake. He's crying. He puts a, well, is he crying first? Does he try and kill himself first? But he opens his case and there are all the weapons. That's the last thing that yeah. happens before you cut to credits. Yeah. Um, right. But no, he sees himself. He sees a mirror. Garcian Smith, the adult man, sees a 13-year-old boy with a third eye on his forehead. He then shoots the 13-year-old boy. And the boy's like, damn, that's crazy. Boy comes back, attempts to shoot himself, disappears. Garcian opens his case, looks inside. The seven weapons of the Killer Seven. Yeah. Which is like, it's not a reveal because we knew like that, that all of the Killer Seven were like the same through the whole game. But like, it is that just thing of like, Garcian's been carrying this briefcase for the whole game and just like seeing it open and seeing everyone's weapons in there is yep. so cool just as like a visual motif well, also like garcia the, the thing is that like the player knows but i don't think garcian does yeah, yeah. and that's the that's the that's the thing that like makes all of this like land from it again the whole the game's like ideas about actors and performativity and masks and like what the player's role in the narrative actually is all of this shit like comes to a head with garcian with also at this point all the other persona are dead it's only Garcian left. Garcian Smith is the last one left because all the others got got, with the exception of Harmon, right? Because like yeah. the other Smiths are dead. Yeah, yeah. The, like the Black Smiles is like that. That that's a forever death. Um, which I believe is why in the epilogue it's it's just a mirror. Like he goes back to calling himself a mirror, and like th- three years later is is the one who kills the last smile. Is a mirror mm-hmm. the bloody heartland? not the killer seven i think the reveal of i don't know maybe yeah. maybe this is just a fault of me as a as a player here but like i never viewed garcia in, in this game as the protagonist of the game i almost saw him as like a transitional character to get you to the moments and then it's like you know uh dan kaide kaori etc those were the protagonists even though like they don't speak so now as i'm saying it out loud it's kind of dumb to think but it's like only at the end when i saw that moment did it click that garcian was actually the protagonist of the game whether intentional or just a bad reading on my part of the rest of the game i thought that was a really cool moment that recontextualized a lot for me to be like oh this dude who i just saw is like effectively a long loading screen to get to my favorite character kaide and the little man that i want to play as he was actually the whole point like i thought that was really really cool and and uh, it's like the fact that it kind of it manages to like inject his character with mm-hmm. tragedy at the end in in this way where it's like he has in some ways been the most inscrutable where it's like you you kind of feel like you know what yeah. coyote's deal is or kaide's deal or whatever and it's like garcian is is kind of unreadable and at the end him getting this like very human moment of like crying and kind of feeling guilt and shock and whatever is is just like surprising and cool and you know as as you said it's like realizing that he was kind of the main character especially because Harmon is you know like an unrelatable god and so you need someone who you can connect to it speaks to how strong the writing is in this game it's like well, even for how strong it is, there's a lack of humanity in it until this final moment. Basically, the only humanity you ever see is allocated to like 25 seconds when Harmon cries. 
and the the writing up to that point is still strong enough that that moment lands incredibly hard as if like you had really experienced who Harmon was or Garcian. I'm sorry. Garcian is who I meant to say up to that point. Like I thought it was in a fairly moving moment in a like shocking way for a game that is almost devoid of human emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that like Garcian who becomes then Amir that Emir is the one who makes the decision at the end of the game. That is the person, like, there, you do not make a single actual decision in the video game Killer 7 mm-hmm. until Emir makes the decision, having been freed, freed, quote unquote, of the Smith personae. Um, but I think that, like, it's, it's a really well done moment that also, like, I don't know, I think you're right, it injects a sense of tragedy to, like, a bunch of other lines yeah. he has throughout the game. Mm-hmm. The way he talks about children, for example, then gets, like, colored by the fact that, like, you know, he was at the elementary school. He was abused at the elementary school that you go through. Like, Coburn Elementary School is is Emir slash Garcian's old elementary school, right? right? And so, like, all, all of it gets recolored through this lens of, like, Garcian is... is if Emir is, like, cold-blooded killer likes killing garcian in the same way that the other killers like the other like killer seven are kind of inversions of the way they were when they died um you know uh mask was not wearing his mask when he was killed and so he powers up three times throughout the game etc all of the characters have this like mirror of the way they died uh coyote wasn't able to get the drop on uh you know uh Emir, and so from that point forward is able to jump onto high plate. Like it's stupid, it, it's silly, but it's cute. Uh, and so there's all these like cute little things. But then, like I guess Garcian's is the human face. He is the human face of the Smiths at this point. He is the person who interfaces with everyone. He is the person who comments on the fact that the world they live in is cruel. Yes, he kills people, but he's like, it's fucked up that shit happens to kids. Yeah. Right? And then he remembers who he is, and it breaks him. And I just think that's such a fucking good character moment that I that I cannot help but be like, yeah, I'm really, I, I, I think that, like, it's, I, I think that it's just really well done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so we have credit smash part one, uh, and then you watch all the credits, and then it turns out there's another level, target 06, Lion. Hey. Quick question, folks. What country y'all blow up? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I guess I blew up. I killed Kenjiro, so I blew up Japan, right? Wow, that's so fucked up, dude. How could you do that? I saved him. I had no clue what the outcome was going to be. I saved him, and then uh, America was blown up eventually. Yeah. right. That's what happened. Yeah, Japan invades America. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so this is this last. One very clever thing is, like, at the beginning of these missions, you always shoot this outline of a target, and it's always, like, a human figure. Uh, In this one, it's a flag, and so it's, like, whatever you're doing, you are assassinating uh, a country. Um, You're playing as—it's three years later. You're playing as a Muir Park Reiner. You're on a battleship island, which is— on this giant highway that they built between the United States and Japan, like halfway in the middle is, is just like an island. Oh, that's a real place. That's Hashima Island in Japan, an abandoned uh, military island. Just a cool fun fact. Oh, well, it, it does not have a, uh, a, a highway connecting to it. No, believe it or not, it does. Uh, Blake, you are absolutely correct. um anyway so you go there um you have the golden gun so you're just kind of gunning down uh these invisible smiles and then um you chase you chase the last one through uh 
through a number of turns, um, you meet with uh, uh, Kenjiro Matsuoka, who I realized only in this last thing is voiced by Steve Bloom. Um, and then I was yeah. like, oh, there there he is. Um, and you just have the choice of uh, killing him or not. I killed him just because I was like, I don't know what the events are either way. This game feels like it's about killing. So, like, what? I'm going to stop now. It, Good line, Jacob. It seemed... So, <laughs> I I had a similar thought. I was like, narratively, it makes most sense to kill him, which made me choose to not kill him to see what would happen. And then I just watched on YouTube. But, like, you know. I was, I, was, I was going down a similar track as you. I just ultimately turned left instead of right. Or actually, technically, it would have been right instead of left based on the decision. Ren, did you think through your decision about to kill I him I mean, at this point, I was, I, was, I was firmly in the like, oh, this is a game about Empire winning no matter what. And so like, I, 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 I pulled the trigger because like, uh, truly, the game is like, these two states are so intertwined with one another. The people who run them are no longer separable. Right, like, like that is that that is the purpose of like that elementary school and like the Department of Education and all that shit is that like these states are so intertwined, and I think that like this gets again back to the game's like weird uh, thoughts on like global politics is that like these two states have become so fundamentally intertwined with one another they can no longer be separated at all um, in terms of like their history, in terms of their culture, and in terms of their modern like political machine. Um, I mean, like, wait, actually, now that I think about it, all of the Japanese politicians are secretly puppeted by Americans, and all of the American po- politicians are secretly puppeted by the Japanese state. Yeah. It's 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 one for one. Yeah, it'll really fuck your understanding of the game up when you learn that Japan is choosing the presidents of the U.S. It's like, wait, wait, just a fucking second. Um, so whatever your choice, the game ends with this just insane screen i i was so happy again that i killed him because it just cuts to it's like you kill the last smile who is uh kung lan as uh iwazaru um what you're like what does that mean and then it just cuts to a wide and like a hundred missiles hit the island and it just blows the fuck up and then they're like words slammed on the screen that says japan destroyed in 2014 in an attack by the united states and then it just smashes to credits and i was like this is the greatest game i've ever played um (laughs) and and if you so if you choose to spare him then it has uh, a very similar thing where you see a bunch of uh, japanese planes flying towards the u.s and it said the u.n allied forces launched a full-scale attack on the united states and so either way it's like one country blows up or the other either way greatest game we've ever played um, and that's it. <laughs> what a, what a title. Can I go through my notes that I didn't have any room to talk about in natural conversation here? Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, we have at immediately the halfway point of the game. I, it, it only then occurred to me that the voicemail guy is actually the overpass guy. So the first half of the game, I kept being like, who the fuck is this guy calling me? Uh-huh. Only found out later who that was. I wrote down the line. This place is the birthplace of murder. Great line. Thought that was good stuff. Oh wait, we didn't talk about the last last scene of the game, even though we mentioned it. Well, we did earlier. earlier. Yeah, so yeah. it cuts to a hundred years later, and uh, mm. uh, Harmon and Kamon are still just shooting each other in the future. I believe it's the level uh, with the comic artist. At one point, inexplicably, don't understand the guy in the blood room. Uh, you go to be like, "Hey, take my blood, bro." 
and his machine stops working, so he just puts a closed sign on it, walks off for the rest of the level, and you can't use it. And I was like, that's good stuff. Love that. I think I think that I, that can actually happen in any level if you get Wait. too much blood. Uh, I think it's to stop you from, like, leveling up too much. Yes. Did that not happen to all of us every level? Like, like within, like, the first, like, 15 minutes? No, that only happened to me once. And it, it also happens at the very end of the game if you check above at the very end of the game it'll happen if you check the tv right before the final credits it's closed but it can happen also naturally within the rest of the game no but i think ren i think it's essentially an xp cap on the on the level and so you were like killing the maximum amount of smiles or getting the most thick blood for every level you're farming heaven smiles yeah sorry was i doing does that mean i'm doing really well or really poorly that i had to go through the same paths that many times i'm completely unsure which i mean you probably had the most leveled up characters like possible oh my coyote was a motherfucker uh listen by the way did y'all talk about the fact that that's just lupin the third yeah no think about coyote's character design let me take a look i guess yeah kinda lupin Known by some as the thief. Uh huh. Yeah, he's called he's called well, the thief. Well, that makes sense too. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I believe. No, Dan is no. Dan looks more like mm -hmm. Lupin though. No, because he's also acrobatic. Like that's the thing. Oh yeah. It, yeah. Like that's Coyote is Lupin. He's a thief. He's super acrobatic. That is that is that is the Lupin. I feel like he has he has less of a sense of whimsy. <laughs> He's Coyote's a pretty uh, mean guy. Me. I'll have you know that I felt a lot of whimsy every time I heard "fuck you." <laughs> You're fucked. You're um, fu hold on, I got a few. Uh, yeah, Blake. Anything few, else? Got a few more notes. Uh, this is a note I'm writing down just now. Uh, Chelsea Lupin the third, the first mm. that CG. No, movie? I heard it was good. That was really good. Oh, that's really cool. Um, okay, so back to Killer Seven though. Um. I wrote, wow, game credits used to be mm -hmm. short. Yeah, this game was made by, mm -hmm. like, 30 people. No longer, yeah, no longer the case. Um, also, I mentioned it before, but just to bring it up, I wrote in all caps, OMG, when it switches to the PC credits and the font fidelity increases, LMAO. I really got a kick out of that. And then the last one I have here is when you play as the little man with the two guns that's really fast, mm -hmm. who I played as a lot, really liked him, second favorite yeah. character in the game. Uh there are certain camera angles that go close up and for all the other characters who are like of a normal size, you'll see like their, I guess like the top half of their torso and their heads, but he's so short. You can only see like his forehead in those camera angles, which I thought was very funny. Very it's a very funny. good bit. I love his reload animation so much. I love when he reloads the guns and like stomps yeah, his little dude. feet. And then when you, uh, when you uh, hit his special move and he goes dangerous so good he's such a good character <laughs> second best character in the whole game uh behind kaide one of my notes that we didn't talk about is the final boss the the guy who you make his pants fall off and shoot him in the dick his name is greg nightmare true oh, that's uh, good. just another that's good. just another good name um, um quick question jacob renata jump yeah. in if you uh have strong thoughts here is this the best game we've played on something rotten max Payne 3 notwithstanding which is obviously the best game we've played on something rotten is this the best game we've played on something Rotten? Because I'm thinking, because it'd be between this and Kane and Lynch 2 for me. And I'm thinking it might finally beat out Kane and Lynch 2. I mean, I think this is the most artistically valuable game sure. we've played. Sure. You know, like, it's 
it's the coolest. It's certainly not the game that I would, like, choose to replay the most, but it might be the one that I'm, like, most glad that we did. Yeah, I think that so far of the games y'all have played, this is the one that I've found most interesting. Like, I, I, I'm, I, yeah. listen, I'm thrilled y'all brought me on for this one. Truly. Glad I could be, glad I could be pulled off the bench for, for, for the most, for <laughs> arguably the most fun one. Um, yeah. Oh, we were thinking about having you for Manhunt too, but we decided that uh, we should oh, be man. kind instead. I take it back. Actually, that was the best game we played on Something Rotten. Manhunt okay. 2, that dreadful piece Y'all of shit. Y'all did Darkness 1 and 2, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We liked those. I think the Darkness 2, no. It's actually, I don't get to make that claim. It's been too many years since I played the Darkness 2. I was about to say something it's real been... dumb. Oh, I mean, it, it's only been it a was few months. the most fun it, game oh, we've played yeah. by far. God. That game rules. Uh, an incredible game, but not uh, artistically valuable, I would say, in the same way that Killer7 is. It's got cool graphics, both cell shaded. Is the darkness? Yeah, where do you think it got that idea from? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it got it from. Suda51 invented cell shaded with from Killer7. Sly Cooper, which we should play The Darkness 2 is Steam Deck verified. Let's fucking go. That game's so I'm the oh, oh, but then you're it's losing. so good. Then you're losing mass and keyboard support, which it really feels good with mass and keyboard. Having that quad wielding. <laughs> oh wait, friend, you wanted to talk about the Steam Deck aiming. <laughs> so yeah, um, I got pretty okay at clicking on things in Killer Seven, uh, and that's in part because I used the Steam Deck. Uh, do y'all have Steam Decks? Yeah. No. So that nope. has a trackpad that you can assign to do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, oh. And so instead of using the left stick most of the time. Because I still wanted to, like, stand, like, by the original intention of the game's controls. And so I did not move it away from my left hand and my left thumb. My left thumb was still doing the action, but the action was swiping around on a trackpad, which allows for significantly finer precision movement than, like, your traditional stick. And so, like, that was one of my, like little edges that i had as i was as i was playing through the game was like being able to like have a little bit more fine precision aiming from time to time when i was like playing with like a trackpad which i think was like a cool way to play the game and like a testament to how much i really like the steam deck and how i think it's like a really clever piece of tech and that all of the control remapping shit is kind of crazy on on steam deck how does the because i played on mouse and keyboard and they have you can hot swap between the characters with the number keys how does the character switching work on Steam Deck? Steam Deck? Do you have to go on the menu? Oh, I probably could have found that. that. I'm that sure I could have yeah. found that. Yeah. You know what? I can check right now. Time for a replay. Can, Killer 8. Right if you now. Can, if you yeah, can, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. give me one sec. I, I can check this. Um, look, while Ren is running to get her Steam Deck to check these, uh, Blake, you want to talk about what we're doing next? Oh, yeah. Hey, folks. Blake here from Something Rotten Podcast. Uh, Nebula.tv slash Something Rotten. Pay up, bitch. Uh, <laughs> we we were going to play Flower Center right next week, and Jacob sent me a message, and I quote, he said, Jacob said, I'm playing this game, and it stinks like dog crap. And I said, we're both dog owners. I know you don't say that lightly. And I said, yeah. you want to play No More Heroes instead? And he said, yes. So, folks, that's what we're doing. Yeah, so Flower, Sun, and Rain, potentially a very interesting game. The only way to play it these days is on DS emulation, mm-hmm. which is just not a fun way to sit at your desk and witness Um and uh, Which one are we, uh we were going to play flower, flower sun and rain uh for the next game but we're not anymore uh because it's very hard to access and once you start playing it uh then you have to play it which i found also not a uh good experience so instead 
uh, we're playing No More Heroes, and we're going to see if Ed Smith was right about uh, this being Suda's last good game. Here's the thing, listeners. You should know Something Rotten is not afraid of playing bad games because we've played mostly bad games. So Flower, Sun, and Rain had to be really something else for us to audible at the last second. I Look, I'm not even saying it's bad. I'm just saying, like, envisioning myself for the next 12 hours sitting at my PC (laughs) playing that DS emulator, I just wanted to die. So instead, we are doing No More Heroes. Hell yeah, and I'm excited. I bought it on the Switch. I'm going to play it in bed. My favorite way to play games. Don't get to do it enough. Legitimately, this is why I bought a Steam Deck. It is, it is, it is, it is. I would go as far as saying improved my quality of life um, because I yeah. just play games in bed while my girlfriend and I watch Love Island, and I think that's, I think that's a, that's a, that's a joyous experience is to watch the dumbest straight people you've ever seen all sit in a shitty room together while you have Killer Seven in your hands. That's actually me and Jacob recording this podcast. <laughs> yeah also yeah i have found the answer to your question i could probably get it working yeah i could i could i could i could get that working i could bound i could bind it to the um oh yeah back back buttons Mm -hmm. um or i could get real freaky with it and and bind it to a trackpad i could bind it to the right trackpad if i wanted to I could be a real freak. Just quickly swap through them. The ultimate. You can do radio menus yeah. with these trackpads. That's crazy. How, how much does that thing cost? This thing, it, it's currently on sale. I, hey Blake, I'd like to plug the. <laughs> hey Blake, I'd like to plug the Steam Deck. You can use my affiliate link. That's a lie. Um, now we'll be happy to when Valve Nebula.tv slash on the run hit me up, Valve. Uh, hey Valve, you can just sponsor us directly. <laughs> it's true. Jokes, jokes, jokes. That aside. Um, uh, listen to Remap Radio. It's the podcast that I'm on. Um, the sequel to Waypoint Radio. I would say Remap equally as good as Waypoint Radio, which is a podcast I listen to every week. Yeah. So, <gasps> yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm loving the new show. Great, great theme song as well. Shout out to Mello. Renaya, you're also uh, you're making a game. Yeah, I'm working on a videoed game. They call these. Uh, I'm lead designer at a indie studio uh, that is currently. If you uh, want, if listen, if Jacob and Blake's cries for millions of dollars haven't compelled you enough, <laughs> if you want to give me millions of dollars, then you know what? Literally, millions Li- of literally dollars. millions of dollars. Then I can I can give right. you a video game in a few years. Uh, but I'm I'm working at a game studio as the lead designer on a game called Sun Doesn't Set, which is a tactics RPG about shared dreaming. Uh, inspired by Disco Elysium Persona 2 um, and uh, Into the Breach. Um, those are our, those are our three big polls. Uh, and three good games. Three good games. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter and find the other places that I work at Ren or Raven. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show. As I said, yeah, we already listened. To, true delight. We already listened to hours of you on podcasts, and now we have a few hours with you on our podcast. So it all worked out great. Thank you so much. Is this is this the longest episode of Something Rotten? If it's if if it's not, it's only seconded by the first Killer Seven episode, which was also about an hour and a half long. Hey, it's it's a game that begs uh, for discussion. Uh, anyway, you will hear if No More Heroes can carry that mantle next week. Uh, until then, uh, for Blake Hester, uh, I'm Jacob Geller with this very important advice for you, uh, which is that all women are the same. I'll cut that, Jacob. Don't worry. I won't let that go out into the world. Do you want me to say it? I'm a girl.